Greetings all you God lovers around the world. Welcome to this edition of the God Lovers Podcast. I'm Dr. Rod, your host, and uh, I want to talk to you this week about why Christians lose. And uh, I know there can be many reasons for failure, um, such as not following God's plan or wrong reasoning or wrong timing. But most often we fail because we do not fight for the victory. Um, you know, as a Christian, we're told that our faith is our victory. And um, through faith, we understand that we obtain, you know, the promises. But in many cases, we fail as we go to the world uh, to find the answers rather than to go to God's word. Uh, we discovered from the Apostle James um, that it's not a good idea to go and try to find the answers from the world. As we look in James 3, um, starting in verse 13, uh, who among you is wise and understand, let him show by his good behavior, his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if we have bitter jealousy and selfish ambitions in our heart, uh, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceful, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And the seed um, whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So we see that, um, you know, James is telling us that the wisdom of the world really is, is demonic. And then the uh, 1 Corinthians 3.19, we also see that Paul writes, and the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. Uh, and, and the Lord knows the reasons, uh, reasonings of the wise, that they are useless. And we saw an example of this. Um, if you go back and you read in the book of Job, uh, starting the 38th uh, chapter, verse 1, and then the Lord answered Job out of a whirlwind, and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now, four times this, this uh, word comes up to Job and, um, and asks this question. Um, he, he's talking about his counsel. He's going to count, getting counsel from his three friends, and it's really worldly counsel. It's they have no knowledge of what he is really uh, fighting, and that is a spiritual battle. Um, so, you know, we should be praying for wisdom. We should seek the knowledge of how to use it. Uh, I'll give you an example, and it's kind of a worldly example, but, um, you know, wisdom may say we need to own a gun because the world's a dangerous place. But knowledge is gained and, and, and comes into play um, when we learn how to use it. You can't own a gun and not know how to use it. It's a dangerous thing. So, you know, before everyone goes nuts on me about owning a gun, uh, I want you to know why I use that example. Um, if we go to uh, Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10, we see that Paul gives us uh, an example of what every Christian needs to know. And every Christian should understand and how to use what God has equipped us with. He starts in verse 10. He says, 
Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, having, above all, taking the shield of faith which, uh, with which you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, not just a few, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So why is this so important to every Christian? Because when you came to Christ, when you came into God's family, you not only became a child of God, but you also became a soldier for God. In 2 Timothy uh, 2, uh, starting in verse 1, You therefore, my sons, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, uh, entrust, the, entrust these uh, to faithful men who will be able to teach others. Suffer hardships with me as a good soldier of Christ. And he goes on to say that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier now, what is a soldier? A soldier is one that fights under command or one who is charged by the ruler to fight. So this passage of scripture that Paul gives us up here um, is really addressing with war, addressing warfare. Now, is it the warfare of the world? No, it's, the, it's a spiritual warfare. And here's the, here's the issue that I, I want to really address is uh, Jesus did not leave us defenseless as defenseless soldiers against the enemy. He did not just leave us a weapon, but he also is teaching us how to use it. Um, as I have shared numerous times, I believe the greatest shortfall uh, in the body of Christ today is the knowledge of who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us. Most Christians have no idea of the power that Christ has imparted into each believer. In fact, Hosea 4.6 uh, really tells us that if we don't we don't understand this, it says my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Destroyed means to fail or to perish, um, to cease, to be cut down, to be brought to silence, to be undone. Christians understand salvation as the key to eternal life, but most do not understand that they have entered a covenant requiring military service with God and just what the covenant fully provides for them. This lack of understanding and knowledge leaves Christians at a disadvantage when it comes to fighting off the attacks of the stronger spirit opponent. One of the most important points of the blood covenant is oneness. And oneness says what, and a blood covenant basically says what is mine is yours and what's yours is mine. And we understand this in 2 Corinthians 
um, where Paul writes in, in chapter 1, verse 20, for as many are as the promises of God in him, they are yes, therefore also through him is our amen to the glory of God through us. So in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he starts by telling them and us to put on, to clothe yourself with what is needed in order to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, when he makes this statement, it actually is a, is a strong statement because it's a statement that says, clothe yourself. We have the responsibility to put on that full armor. And the truth is, if we don't know how to use that armor, if we don't know how to properly take hold of it, then we are at a complete disadvantage in this spiritual war that we're fighting. The devil will always play his mind games. You know, why do I say this? Well, what are the wiles? Well, the wiles is made up of two, um, uh, in, the, in the Greek, it's made up really, uh, the Greek word is made up of two English words, uh, and, and they composed one is, um, is translated where we get our word uh, method, um, and it's methodemia, and um, the second part of that is trickery. So when you put those two together, you come up with a cunning art, a seed, a trickery. The devil plays his uh, method of deception, trickery, by mind games. And as Paul goes on to write then, he says, um, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. We need to know that our enemy, who our enemy is, and understand how he operates. The devil has taken many fallen angels. One third of the angels fell with him. So these are the demons that are out there floating around following his command. As a matter of fact, you can read that in, in uh, Revelation 12, starting in verse 9. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who was called the devil and Satan, who deceived the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. So who is his army? We find out that his armies are principalities. Well, that word right there means it's chieftains or leaders. Uh, against powers, exousia. Um, the ability or strength with which one has to, to uh, has the power and authority, the influence. Who is the God of this world? Who did the first Adam yield his authority and power to? None other than the devil. Against the rulers of darkness of this age. These are princes or rulers of this darkness and uh, of this dark fallen age. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Spiritual host and wickedness in the air above. Um, that means the air around us. It doesn't mean heaven, because they've been kicked out of heaven, but it's, it's around us. It's what we're, we're walking among, and they among us. However, we go back to Paul's first statement, and that is the advice of, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Remember the oneness that I mentioned? Well, you know, that oneness, meaning, you know, what I have is yours and what you have is mine. It's that covenant promise. Well, you know, when we understand what we have through Christ, we read it in Romans 8, 11. Moreover, if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give your life, give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit 
who lives in you. So Jesus didn't leave us as orphans. Jesus left us with, with the gift of the Father, and that is the Holy Spirit, and oneness with them. So knowing this, if it were not possible to be strong in the power of the Lord's might, Paul would not have encouraged us to do so. So let's consider. Let's consider the power that Paul is alluding to. Do we have witnesses to what the Lord has done? Yes. Let's consider the fact that thousands received healing. Blind eyes were opened as hundreds, uh, opened as hundreds, uh, if not thousands, witnessed these events. Lame people were healed and made to walk, and dead were brought back to life, all witnessed by others. Then, and most importantly, we have witnesses to the power demonstrated that Jesus' resurrection from the dead. At least we forget, he defied gravity by walking on water, and he stilled a storm um, with a single word. He also cast out demons and set captives free. All these events were witnessed by others in our samples, demonstrations of the Lord's power and might. As the Son of Man, he is our example. However, above and beyond these demonstrations, thousands witnessed his greatest feat of power the day he was tortured and crucified. What kind of power did it take to forgive those who were inflicting such pain and death? With a single word, he could have called down legions of angels and mankind would have ceased to exist. When we read the testimonies of these events, there should be no misunderstanding about the power that the Lord possessed. We, therefore, should understand that when Paul tells us to put on the full armor, we are equipping ourselves with the same armor that the Lord used to defeat the enemy. This is not an armor that is uh, untested, um, you know, as like Paul's armor was to David. We read about in 1 Samuel 17, uh, verse 38, and so um, Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head, and he clothed them with a cloak of mail. But when David started the walk, he said, I cannot walk in these, for I have not tested them. We have an armor that has been tested in battle and has proven to be strong and victorious. Saul's fight was in the flesh. David's fight was in the spirit. And so was with Jesus. And next time, I want to talk to you about how Jesus used all these weapons and how we are to be clothing ourselves with these weapons and how these weapons are represented. Because what we see here is Paul has made an example. He has taken the Roman soldier and painted a picture of the Roman soldier to us in words, telling us this is how the Roman soldier has, has dressed and how he goes to battle to fight. And I will tell you that the Roman army at that point in time in history was was. Uh, a very strong army, and that soldier was trained. He wasn't trained to take prisoners. He was trained to be a, a killing machine. So we understand that they were fighting men that were ready to go out and lay everything on the line to win the battle. And next time I want to talk about these weapons that they carried and how they compare to us as Christians and how we should be using these in the spirit realm to fight our battles. And I will tell you that as we learn about these weapons and we learn how to apply them in our life, in the spiritual aspect, in the realm, to go against that enemy that wants to take you out and destroy your life because Jesus said he comes to steal, steal, and destroy, 
we need to be to know how to use those weapons. And that's the reason I use that gun, for example. You can have the wisdom to know to have a gun. You can have the wisdom to know to have these weapons. But if you don't have the knowledge of how to use these weapons, you're at the mercy of an enemy that shows no mercy. Thank you for joining this week. And next week, we'll get fully in-depth into this message. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.